listening to Rootbound, a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. This episode of Rootbound is brought to you by Indoor Conifers. Why only bring a tree inside during the holidays? Conifers can brighten your room on any occasion. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rootbound. I'm the host of the show, and my name is Steve. And Rootbound is the podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside. And each week, I invite a guest who joins me on the show to share with us all about a plant that means something to them. And I share with guests about a plant that means something to me. And through this process, we can all learn more about plants and learn more about each other. And if it sounds a little bit different today, it's because I'm sitting on the floor with my wife, Carla. <laughs> And uh, we're, he- we're here, this is actually the, well, Carla's been on the show a lot, but this is going to be the third episode where she shares a plant with us. I'm honored. But before we do that, this is episode 105 of the show, and if you do the math, this is basically like one episode after two years worth of shows, right? Amazing. So, Congratulations. Thank you. And so I was thinking that's kind of like I'm entering my junior year of plant podcasting. <laughs> And so that's why I asked you to prepare a short plant quiz for me. Amazing. To I test love it. my knowledge to see if I deserve to continue being a plant <laughs> podcaster or whether I need to you know, go back a grade or something. Oh, man. Maybe I should have made this quiz harder. Uh, uh, well, that's okay. The audience can play along too. And, okay. and so, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm hopefully glad it's not too hard. All right. So, here, we're, before we get into the plant stuff, Carla is going to give me a, a very short three question plant quiz. I'm ready. Here we go. Yes. Okay. Um, all right, so question number one. Um, name one difference between plant cells and animal cells. Plant cells have a cell wall. That is correct. Yes. All right. Woo! <laughs> we have a little xylophone from our kid here. Right? Yeah, but the mic too is better. All right. That means I got it right, I guess. Can you name another one for extra credit? Oh, shoot. For extra credit. I know. I know. One should be relatively obvious that plants well, can do. One was the obvious I mean, one. sure, but I mean, they have, what can plants they have photo, do? They have chlorophyll. Well, chloroplast. Chloroplast. Oh, right. Yes. I mean, chlorophyll. Cl- you know, chlorophyll is the, is in is the, the chemical. Yes. Okay. Right. Cool. I don't know if it's in the chlor. I assume it's in the chloroplast. I think it is. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Question number two. Name at least three parts of a flower. Um, okay. There's a bunch. Um, and I just, in an episode recently, which I think you haven't heard yet, I was able to remind myself the difference between um, the anther and the pistil, which are two things. The anther is a male part where the, like, the pollen is, and the pistil is the, which receives the pollen. Um, petals, sepals, um, there's the... Um, so you that that's yeah, three. Okay, so good good job. More. But yeah. so according to my research, the pistil has three parts. It's the stigma, the style, oh, and the ovary. Right. The pistil has the stigma on it. The mm-hmm. anther is on the other thing. Yeah. The the stamen has, has the, the anther, anther and the it. filament. Right. Right. I, so. they're, they're, they're but you I mean you named three. You know yeah. you answered my question. Good, you good. named three. So. I stuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, 
Could you name the oldest living organism on planet Earth? Uh, we just were talking about this with our friend Maggie like a couple days ago, briefly. The bristlecone pine. Well, it, that is, it, yes, an example of the bristlecone pine. That's oh, the Methuselah species. Is Correct. The, is the name of it. That was an extra yeah. card. It was okay. was oh, the thing. Okay. Um, and then you know, th- yes, it's the li- li- longest living organism. Um, that is not a cloned living organism, a non-cloned living mm-hmm. organism. And for extra, extra credit, do you know how old Methuselah is? I thought like 5,000 years old yep. or something. Nice. Yay. All right. I passed. I can keep podcasting about the <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick little <laughs> pause here and we'll hop back in with some plants. <laughs> The test is over. Hi, Carla. Hi, Steve. Do you have a plant to share with us today? I do. Well, I have a I have a species of plants to talk about with you. Awesome. Well, I know what it is, but share it with the audience. Yes. Um, so the plant, the species of plants that I'm talking about is the chili pepper. Okay. And first of all, why is the chili pepper meaningful to you? Well... I love spicy food, mm-hmm. so that's one. Um, and also, as you know, uh, I'm not a big lover of fruit. Like, mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. love fruit. Mm-hmm. But chili peppers happen to be a fruit. That's In true. fact, botanically, they are a berry. I was just when you were, I was just about to say, are they botanically a berry? But I guess that makes sense. They are botanically a berry. Cool. Um, and so I guess it counts as fruit, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it quite possibly it's up there with a tomato. Which one is my favorite fruit? Mm-hmm. You know, the chili pepper or the tomato, because both are botanically berries. So, yeah. um, so there we go. Um, they are from the uh, so there's several species um, in the genus Cap- Capsicum. Mm-hmm. And they are members of the nightshade family. Um, and then the Latin name of this family is going to be butchered, but I'm going to attempt it. Um, Solone- Solonaceae. Mm-hmm. That means basically like night nightshade. Yeah. yeah. And so the other members uh, that are non-toxic and actually can be consumed by humans include tomatoes and eggplants. And I think potatoes too, right? I think I, so. I don't. Yeah, I think that's maybe true. I mean, they're nightshades in the Solanaceae family. I don't know if if potatoes are nightshades in a different family. I know. I think they're in the same family. But audience can Google it, but I think they're also in the same family. If you look at a potato plant and the potato flowers, they 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 do look similar. They look tomato-y, chili Mm peppery. That's true. Sorry, I'm drinking coffee. That's Is okay. that allowed yeah, on the for, podcast? Yeah, of course. Okay. Of course. <laughs> Only plant-based drinks allowed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it is coffee, so yeah, yeah, yeah it is plant-based. Yes, indeed. Um, mostly. So, yeah, so chili peppers. Um, so another reason why they are meaningful to me is that they originate in the American continent. Mm-hmm. Um, all, uh, all species I believe of the of the capsicum, those capsicum are, are that's the genus right capsicum. yes the capsicum genus are are originate in the American continent, um, and I find that interesting because I'm from Mexico, um, and I love everything that stems from the American continent. So, um, there's f- well, I mean, as you know, 
um, chili peppers are widespread in cuisines throughout the world. Mm -hmm. And, of course, this is thought to have been caused um, by the Colombian exchange. Mm -hmm. Um, So, for example, um, the chili pepper was first introduced to Europe a couple of years after Columbus um, kind of stumbled upon the American continent. Um, So, you know. Um, But I wouldn't be surprised later on if we found that there was pre-Columbian trade Mm. um, just because there's certain there's certain places in Asia where it's just really prevalent and it just seems to be so historical. Mm. Um, there's you know there haven't been studies on that yet, but I'm just on on a wild hypothesis. I wouldn't be surprised if yeah, because later on we find that it is a pretty long way around. Yeah, when there was well, well actually it could have gone the other way too because there was like all that silver exchange between South America. Oh sure, and, and but it, but anyway, it's yeah that it is. That, that's just my wild yeah, hypothesis. Yeah. I think you know. I think uh, that that's that could be very likely, and you know, if in five years' time we can come back and and see if if I'm true, if I'm right. You know what's so super fascinating? Just some aside is that, and I can't think of great examples right now, but there's some genuses that are just all around the world. Yeah. Like we recently talked about um about uh, basswood mm-hmm. linden trees, mm-hmm. and there are stuff in that genus. In Asia and in North America, but then there's some genuses that only exist in like one area, and that is just so interesting. It's like that, like I don't know. Yeah, how did that happen? How does that happen? Yeah. And it's very complicated. I mean, same yeah. thing with tomatoes, right? Like yeah. they are an American fruit. Yeah. So and then, but now they have been widely distributed, yeah. as we talked about last time I was on the show. Yeah. Um. So there's five domesticated species. Mm. Mm. Um. And so before I get into well. Yeah, before I get into the five domesticated species, uh, when I was doing research, I thought it was really interesting that chili peppers were originally thought to have originated in South America or Central America as early as 15 million years ago. Mm. But there has been a study from the University of Colorado at Boulder suggesting that chili peppers have actually been around as early as 50, like five zero million years ago. And were present in human settlements um, in, in North America as well um, around that time. 50 million? 50 million years ago. Whoa. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was surprising. Um, just, you know, how early humans used chili pepper. Yeah, what um, humans were f- those 50 million years ago? Is that still Homo sapiens? I, mean, I don't know. I was, wondering about, I, yeah, <laughs> I was wondering about that because, you know, I, I kind of prepared uh, everything with the assumption of 15 million years ago. Yeah. But then I was like, wait, five zero? Like actually five, like 50 million years ago? So I, um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, and so there are studies that suggest um, – oh, and so, so this study um, kind of used – oh, no, sorry, sorry, hang on. Let me back up. Okay, sure. <laughs> There's a there there's been different studies um that not only show like the origin of the of the different species, the domesticated species or I guess subspecies? No, no different subspecies. Well, that's species. a good question. Yeah, they're probably different species, but yeah. they can be different domestications of Yeah, the like same cultivars. Genus. Yeah. No, well, 
no, those are different, right? Yeah. There's the species and oh no, sure, but a genus and species. But yeah. Then you can have cultivars of the same species. Right. So, so I'll are get there into five that. Five species, or are there five cultivars? No, there's no. five different species. That's okay. And yeah, then that makes more sense. Yes. Because there's way yeah. more cultivars. Than, yeah. yeah. As as soon as okay. I said it, I was okay. like, oh wait, okay. no, hang on. I'm actually still a little. So oh, so I'm not only talking about one species. Let me go back and correct my earlier talking about a whole genus. I'm talking about a whole, well, at least five species within that genus. Okay. Um. So I'm actually really excited about this because I guess I think it just just realized now that I assumed that all chili peppers were the same genus, yeah. like like tomatoes or like yeah, that's what I yeah. thought too. Yeah. Um, and then and then as I was or doing the same, research, not the same genus, the same species, the same species, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So sorry, so I, I was lots surprised. Of confusion here. Yes. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh. So there's there's the five domesticated species, um. And I'm going to go through them, and also going to butcher their name. Cool. Um. So. There's um, Capsicum anum. Mm-hmm. There's Capsicum baccatum. Mm-hmm. There's Capsicum uh, chinense. Mm. There's Capsicum frutescens. Mm-hmm. And there's Capsicum pubescens, okay. which I wonder why it's called that. I there's didn't a, really yeah, understand. That pops up every now and then as a species. You yeah. Know. I wonder what it And means. I don't know why. Okay, cool. Me neither. I'll look it up later the next time the pubescence <laughs> shows up. Sounds good. Um, and so there's, you know, there's been studies of of where they originated and also where they were thought to have been first cultivated. Um, and so the one that's mo- most studied is Capsicum anum. Which is the annual, I assume. That's what it comes from, but that's yeah. incorrect, obviously. It's not an annual? Isn't it? Wait, Again, the, what, is what does annual. annual mean? Annual means the plant grows up and dies. Oh, then every yes, season. that yeah. is correct. Yeah. That's yeah. N- it's not perennial. Right, right. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Yeah. No <laughs> I was like, wait. Yeah. Well, I mean, but they all are okay. annual, yeah, right? Yeah, sometimes so, they're like, that one's the annual one, and we'll figure out the rest yeah, later. Anyway, yeah, anyway. So, um, and so uh, it is thought that they all still stem from somewhere in South America or Central America. But a couple of the species... Um, were first domesticated from like their wild types um, in Mexico. Uh, so, and the 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 two species that were that are for, that are thought to have been first domesticated in Mexico uh, are capsicum capsicum anum and capsicum chinense. Um, which is confusing, which is confusing. Yeah. But let me let me go on. So, capsicum anum has your regular well not your regular but like your pretty widely used uh chili pepper varieties so mm. there's the bell pepper mm. there's the jalapeno there's a serrano there's a thai pepper there's a poblano there's the cayenne there's a pepperoncini so you know like the mm-hmm. banana peppers mm-hmm. so like the ones that are like used pretty mm-hmm. commonly in cuisine those are all capsicum those anum. are all capsicum anum um and of course there's others but those mm-hmm. are the ones that i that mm-hmm. i noted um, and then there's the capsicum chinense mm-hmm. are the ones that are the super hot peppers. Oh. So that's the the family that has habanero, that has the Trinidadian scorpion, mm. that has the ghost pepper, that has pepper X. Pepper X. Pepper X is apparently the hottest one, which I will get into oh, okay. later. Okay. Um, <clears throat> that is fast. I, those are different species. Those habanero are different species. Habanero and jalapeno are different species. Uh, apparently, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Um, and then there's uh, the the capsicum baccatum has um, well, and so the other th- the other three species um, baccatum frutescens and pubescens 
Um, it's not super clear, um, but it's thought that they were first cult- um, domesticated in uh, in South America, specifically Peru, Bolivia. Mm. Um, and then Bacatum potentially has an Argentina and first domesticated. But mm-hmm. I think they are, you know, the consensus is mostly like Peru, Bolivia. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and so those, especially the the Capsicum Bacatum, are the ones that you where you find the ají family. Oh, okay. So Bacatum is the ají, like ají amarillo, and mm-hmm. all of those that mm-hmm. you find in in like Peruvian mm-hmm. cuisine, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, Frutescence uh, has the Tabasco pepper. Interesting. Um, and there's a couple of other ones, and those I think are mo- more used in Asian cuisines or African cuisines. So there's like the other examples that I found of of capsicum frutescence are piri piri and shao uh. mi la. Huh. Interesting. And then capsicum pubescence. Um, that one is really I think mostly used in. Uh, South America, because I, I didn't recognize the examples so much, but I, the examples I found for them were rocoto and manzano. Mm-hmm. I've heard of rocoto before, I feel like. So, yeah, so I, I've never mm. seen them in cuisine, mm. or at least not knowingly. Um, so, so yeah, those are the five wow. species. And I find it interesting that all of the super hot peppers mm-hmm. are in the one species. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was surprised by that. So, yeah. Um, so, speaking of super hot um, I actually didn't learn about the Scoville scale until I was like a full on adult. Yeah, I, I, I feel like that like popped <laughs> up in like the internet world. Oh, okay. I mean, now there's that whole show, Hot Ones, that's oh, all yeah. about it, right? It's all about the Scovilles. <laughs> right, exactly. But I feel like I was like like 25 plus uh-huh, when I found sure. out about Scoville. Yeah. So it was like definitely post internet, Yeah. you know, age. Um, So, which is funny because I, you know, right before then I just enjoyed how hot a pepper was mm-hmm. and I didn't really think about like the scale of it mm-hmm. um but uh, according to NIST um, oh, they've standardized it NIST I, I believe wow. well I mean I, I found the article from NIST <laughs> oh, I mean I guess it makes sense I mean they standardize <laughs> it does make sense yeah. yeah so um this so it was this like Scoville scale um was first established in 1912 by a pharmacologist named Wilbur Scoville. Mm. Um, and so the scale goes from zero to, you know, as m- much as you want. Um, and so zero being bell pepper, and then 3,180,000 being pepper X. Whoa. And that's the one that I've found to be the hottest so far. Whoa. Yeah. And so, you know, just for comparison, a jalapeno is at 2,500 to 8,000. And habanero is between a hundred thousand and three hundred fifty thousand. Wow. wow! So that's you know pretty nuts. Um, and so yeah, the the unit is Scoville heat units, so SHU. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Which I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah. Um, one note on that, I I find a link up in the show notes, but you know, there's like these guys out there who are like working on breeding hotter and hotter chili peppers, the, yeah, like hobbies and stuff. I don't know if you're. I think I it. think that's what Pepper X comes yeah. from. Like you know, and and like all of the other ones, like the like the ghost Trinidadian pepper. scorpion and the ghost pepper. I think come from you know selective selective breeding. breeding. Yeah. Um, but but there's some hybrids. I think that they're working on between. Um, the the capsicum chinense and the capsicum frutescens mm. um, to make them really really hot. 
So just interesting. So so there was an article recently about one guy who who was like one of the leading breeders of um, hot chili peppers. I've, I don't know anything about the name or whatever which pepper it is, but the story goes he he was the leader of the hot chili peppers. Um, not, not a, like the red hot <laughs> chili peppers. <laughs> he, he was he was the guy who had the hot, he had made the hottest pepper. Um, and then just recently he he came out again and he like came out with the even hotter pepper. But the story was is that he invented this other hot pepper like several years ago and he was just holding it and waiting for someone to come out with a pepper hotter than his previous hot pepper. Oh. So he could like trump them with the with the hot even hotter pepper, but then no one did and he's like, Okay, I guess I'll put out this other hot pepper. Oh. Which makes me think he probably has a hotter pepper in his back in pocket. In his back pocket yeah. just too, yeah. So there yeah, there's that like that's a pretty interesting world of these like people who are like trying to make the hotter and hotter peppers. So the other thing that's not super clear to me is like how exactly you measure Scoville heat units. I think it's based on capsaicin, but nowhere has a source actually come out and said plainly, like this is based on capsaicin. That's just my assumption. Um, and my assumption is based on apparently the um, caps pure capsaicin is rated at 16 million scoville heat units interesting okay that, ma- that makes sense so you're just like looking at ca- capsaicin concentration yeah i think i think so i mean I but no no source has actually like plainly stated like scoville heat units are, i mean i'm sure i just had to, haven't found it yeah so because what else could it possibly i guess you be? could like do it with like a panel of people and they like yeah compare things no, and that that is like how you do it, but it like it's like is it what is it based on? Like is it is it, is there especially if NIST is involved? I guess maybe I can dig deeper yeah, into it. Circles, um, yeah. But you know, anyhow. it's interesting. Yeah, because uh, is it just capsaicin, or or could a pepper have other attributes? That yeah, make it well, seem hotter. Well, it's not just capsaicin. There's like capsaicinoids, so mm-hmm. like it's like capsaicin and related compounds. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Those could also be hot. Mm-hmm. And um, different combinations of yeah. different ones might make it be hotter than yeah, other ones. Or I like, guess yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. and also, you know, if you if you kind of make a, a pepper hot, it'll feel hotter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, when you taste it. But so yeah. And while while we're talking about capsaicin, capsaicin is th- like the primary molecule that makes peppers hot, um, and. S- a pretty cool molecule. It's not very soluble in water. Mm. Um, its solubility that I found is 1.3 milligrams in 100 milli- milliliters of water. Okay. So that's not very water mm-hmm. soluble. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's I, I read a paper or several different papers that suggest that one of the reasons that humans started u- – of why humans started to use uh, – chili peppers in their cuisine is because they have antimicrobial properties Mm -hmm. Uh, for example um and and you know antifungal properties antifungal properties so that's helpful for food safety and food storage Mm -hmm. um and so you know when you're an early human Mm -hmm. trying to not die of food poisoning i think adding chili peppers to your food is probably Mm -hmm. pretty pretty smart um, and of course, that's that's its primary use is just for enjoyment um, <laughs> of food, and um, the the I I saw a, a study uh, mentioned from like the early '80s, where a couple of scientists pretty much said 
you know, we don't really know why there's why people are so hooked on spicy mm-hmm. things because they like they it's initially their property is is kind of a negative one, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, it's really spicy. Um, but other plants that have a negative initial negative properties, kind of like the bitterness of caffeine mm-hmm. or like tobacco, mm-hmm. um, those have also addictive properties, mm-hmm. which is why mm-hmm. they've come into mm-hmm. the whole like human culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty heavily, but it seems that peppers don't have this, you know, ad- the quote-unquote addictive properties. Mm. Uh, but it, maybe it's just uh, the the hypothesis, and at least in the early '80s, was just that it's kind of like a low-risk thrill, kind mm. of like going on a on a um, roller coaster. Mm. Like you you know you're not gonna die, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like a fun mm-hmm. thrill fun quick thrill so um so maybe it's thought that Makes that's that you know at least in the early 80s that's what the hypothesis was i mean we have these guys trying to make hotter and hotter peppers and <laughs> for then, no reason there's like an entire super popular <laughs> internet show where yeah. people just eat odd things together like, <laughs> like so, um, so I, I think that makes sense yeah um i don't know if you have this written down but one thing i read is that capsaicin does not affect birds yes that's right um that's kept coming coming up um and so um that's another property of capsaicin um so you know there, there's a common use is just in food as a mm-hmm. as a quick low risk thrill mm-hmm. um but there's different uses of capsaicin um that i found recently um is for example as a topical analgesic mm. Um, which, Ouch. yeah, I, I'm just like, how does that work? Because if you got like, you know, chili pepper on like an open cut or like yeah. on skin, it starts to irritate. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't uh-huh. know how that works. Um, and then another use pretty recently is that maybe it could be, it could help reduce peripheral neuropathy. So like, you mm-hmm. know, nerve damage. Um, but I think that's still kind of mm-hmm. under study. Um, and of course, another major use is as an, as a, pretty big irritant um it is used in pepper spray mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh which that don't don't spray that on yourself mm-hmm. that'll be that's mm-hmm. a pretty heavy irritant could be kind of damaging and also as a pest deterrent mm-hmm. um but mostly for mammals so like mm-hmm. if you don't want deer to come eat your plants maybe you want to spray some capsaicin mm-hmm. things like that um but importantly it does not affect birds like it affects mm-hmm. mammals mm-hmm. it just kind of goes through them so as a plant, that's pretty cool for you because birds will eat the fruit and then spread the seeds. Mm-hmm. So that's so. what I found super interesting because it's like it's like these plants who are like, hey, we want to be spread by birds. So we're going to make this thing so the mammals don't like them and only the birds do because mammals are too slow for us. We want the birds to spread the seeds more. And then humans come along and we're like, we like it. <laughs> yeah, and then we spread it worldwide. That's so, true, you know, it kind of worked out. Yeah, pretty fascinating. Um, it, it kind of made me think of that one. What is it? The botany of desire. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, is that one of the plants? It's it? not. No. Uh, Maybe, should it be? <laughs> it should be, but it's not. Yeah. So, um, so that was, yeah, that was my fun little uh, research project into chili peppers because I, I love them. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's a real ding now. Okay, thank you for sharing about chili peppers with me. Do you mind if I share a plant with you? I would love it if you share a plant Actually, with me. Actually, can you just open the door and let the cats in? Because they're meowing they in meowing? the background. Yeah. yeah. Um, and while you do, I'll pull up my notes about the plants okay. here. And the cats can... Come Hi, on, Mion. Come on in. 
Come on, buddy. Okay. He might just the meow in our might, faces. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, here he comes. All right. Muon is going to join us for this segment of the show. Okay. So, um, since you've been on the show, you first shared cilantro. Yes. And then you shared tomato. Yes. And then you shared chili pepper. Yeah. And it seems like we're missing just one major ingredient to have a nice salsa. <laughs> and that would be the onion. Yes. So I chose the I love onion onions. <laughs> as my plant. Hi, Muon. Hey, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> the cat is distracting. Um, so, yeah, onions, you know, I think onions, you know, they're maybe not especially meaningful to me, but I think they're just meaningful to everybody. They're like a yeah. real, like, staple yeah. vegetable. Yeah. They're used in so much stuff. I mean, that's a, one of the three ingredients of a mirepoix. Yeah, they're they're just, like, super key, so that's mm-hmm. that's why they're meaningful to me. Um, and there's some really fascinating things about onions. Let's, let's, let's get into that stuff. Okay, first of all, I like talking about the names of things. Did you get into the etymology of capsicum at all? Oh man, I forgot to. That's oh, a, you know, I also forgot um, oh. to share the the. Sorry, can we go back? Yeah, just quickly. Because <laughs> you you asked me about um, the 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 fresh versus dry variety. Oh yes, all oh, right. I did ask earlier about about uh, the fresh. Um, you know, let's save that for the final segment. We'll do that. I think we've got okay. time for that. Okay. Um, okay. We're we're going to talk about names of fresh versus uh, uh, dry uh, jalapenos okay. in the final segment. Okay. But back to the onion. The 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 uh, Latin name. Muon, come here, buddy. I'm going to pet this cat so he doesn't meow during the whole podcast. Um, <laughs> the um, the Latin name for the onion is Allium sapa. Allium sapa. And so alliums is a big genus that we eat a lot of stuff. It's uh, garlic is an allium. Leeks is a allium. Garlic. You mentioned garlic. Garlic, garlic, leeks. Some other ones I'm not thinking of right now. Um, uh, Field garlic. Yeah, field garlic. Yes. Um, And um, allium, from what I understand, is the Latin name for garlic. Yeah. And I think there was a, a bunch of a time where they were referring to a lot of those plants as allium. And so sepa is, I think, more of a common name in Latin for the onion. Okay. And sepa is where oh. a lot of words, yes. like seboya in yeah, Spanish. Yeah, I was literally just going to say in, that. I think in Romania, it's, it's like <clears throat> sepa or chepa. Mm-hmm. A bunch of other languages have that as the mm-hmm. root for the word. But the word onion, which mm-hmm. is in English comes from French, also comes from the oh, Latin. Yeah. And it was another name for onion... And from my understanding, it's actually uh, the, the, it comes from the word unio, mm-hmm. which is actually related to the word union. Oh, okay. <laughs> and onion and union are related in the fact that I guess they would call it, they would refer to the onion as the unio to differentiate it from garlic, which is not unified ball. Like oh, the, the onion is clever. a unified ball, yeah. and the garlic mm-hmm. has he separated, or the garlic has he separated. So it was the unified alley. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting that the word onion and union actually have an etymological connection, yeah. uh, which is kind of fun. That's fun. Um, the word chive in, uh, is an old English word that it comes from the sepa uh-huh. root, yep. which is interesting as well. Um, Allium sepa, and this is a direct quote from Wikipedia, is exclusively exclusively known from cultivation. Its ancestral wild origin form is not known. Oh, I think what? that's so fascinating. Like the plant is, has been cultivated for so long. That we've just lost track of it? Yeah. So we that's only know it's a cultivated ver- variety. That's um, really cool. Yeah. It's been cultivated for at least 7,000 years. Mm-hmm. 
um, and it originates in Western Asia. I bet you know uh, that also has antimicrobial properties, which is why people used it in early cuisine. Early cuisine, and also I'll read this quote from this article I found called The Effects of Allium Sepa and Its Active Constituents on Metabolic Syndrome. I, I didn't get anything about this specific study, but in the intro to this this study, there was this really great paragraph which talks about its medicinal uses through time. Yeah. And it says, Onion has been utilized during thousands of years for remedial purposes. For instance, it was used by athletes in ancient Greece for purifying their blood and rubbed down by Roman gladiators to firm up the muscles. Hippocrates, the Greek physician, uh, prescribed onion for diuretic effect, healing wounds, mm. and combating pneumonia. It was recommended by medieval doctors to alleviate cough, headache, snake bite, hair loss, and other diseases. And this is my favorite uh, paragraph here. <laughs> In traditional medicine, onion has been used for a large variety of ailments such as headache, fever, toothache, cough, sore throat, flu, baldness, epilepsy, rash, jaundice, constipation, flatulence, intestinal worms, low sexual power, rheumatism, body pain, muscle cramps, high blood pressure, and diabetes. Interesting. So, Wait for flat like against flatulence. I, 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 I assume they, so. I thought they they caused flatulence, or at least that's what the movie The Crow led me to believe. Is there something about that movie? The well, Crow? yeah, because um, you know, like when when the when the little girl first meets the cop uh, who's investigating this. her friend's death, um, and then he's like, oh, "Hey, I'll buy you a hot dog." When she's like skateboarding down. Uh-huh. He's like, hey, I'll buy you a hot dog. And he orders some um, some onions on his hot dog. And she's like, no, thanks. Holy onion, because they make you fart. I don't remember that. Oh, part, my gosh. But um, well, you know, ex, ex little high school goth obviously <laughs> remembers. The thing that connects it to me, I don't think I've ever had that experience with onions. But the thing that connects it to me is there's this I, this dish that I've never had, but I was reading about because I was reading about making cheese. And there's this kind of cheese in Germany. And it's called Handkäse. That sounds awful <laughs> which means hand cheese and it's because like it's just formed by hand it's not okay. with a mold it's like a fresh cheese formed by hand Fair. but the way that it's served is called Handkäse mit Musik and that's, they serve it with chopped up onions I remember and there is like something like like why is it called hand cheese with music and it's like well the music comes after is <laughs> the joke in German anyway so apparently it can cure that too I guess um it can cause it and, of, and cure it. Yeah. Any, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Amazing. I, like a lot of like foods, I think that are like really have become key <laughs> towards to humans. They end up being used to treat a ton of different things. Yeah. Um, and I think there's some evidence that, you know, there is antimicrobial properties and there's other things where onions are, well, I mean, are useful. Yeah. They have like sulfur compounds, right? So that's the antimicrobial property right there. Yeah, let, let's actually get into that. Yeah. The, the thing that makes your eyes water when you cut an onion yeah. is a chemical called synpropanethyl S-oxide. Just don't look anything else in my notes. Just yeah. look at the word. Oh, I see. Yeah. Pro- oh, propanethyl. 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 I will also read uh, directly from Wikipedia here because I wanted to get this right, how, how this works. Okay. Uh, the release is due to the breaking open of the onion cells, and they're releasing enzymes called alanases, mm-hmm. which then break down amino acid sulfoxides, generating sulfinic acids. The specific sulfinic acid, one propane sulfinic acid formed when onions are cut, is rapidly rearranged by a second enzyme that is called the lacrimatory factor synthase. Amazing. Uh, and and giving the syn propanethyl S oxide and the gas diffused in the air gets in your eyes and you start crying. 
So it's pretty. It's it's a defense mechanism for the onion. Like when the yeah this chemical reaction happens when you break the cells, these things join together, which is similar to. I had talked about a few episodes about the mustard oil bomb and in the mustard oil family about how similar things happen. And that's pretty pretty smart. That is pretty smart from the plant's perspective. Yeah. Um, here's a fun fact going back to some stuff about uh, onions. So onions, unlike um, capsicum or chili peppers, are basically one species. So like red onions, white onions, um, yellow onions, they're not different species. They're just cultivars of the same species. Right. Shallots are also the same species. Oh, what? But they were only shown to be that in like 2010. They were treated as a separate species. They were treated as um, uh, Allium ascolonicum until 2011, and then they realized they're Mm. actually a cultivar of onion. Now, when it comes to um, onions, they're normally harvested when they are uh, mature, but you can harvest them early, and that's either spring onions or summer onions. You can use them like that. Um, and then there are certain onions that are bred to be smaller when they're mature. Oh. And that's how you get um, pearl onions or pickling onions. Yeah. However, true pearl onions are a different species. Oh. Those are Allium am- ampeloprosum. And so you can grow Allium sepa to be small and use it as pickling onions, but there is a true pearl onion, which is a separate species. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I thought that was pretty fascinating. That is cool. Um, And fascinating. Yes. um, Okay, just a little bit about their, like, how they they work. So um, they're a biennial plant, but we normally treat them as an annual Similar to garlic, actually, is that way, too. So they need two full seasons to grow. So essentially one season, they're going to be storing all their energy in the bulb, and the next season they shoot up the flower stalk yeah. from the bulb, right? right? But we normally pull them before that happens. Yeah. Well, mostly, because you've, you've left some. Yeah, yeah. And they and they have to do that, too. For, you can buy onion, onion seeds pretty readily, so there's some part of the cultivation of onions where they're letting that happen to get the seeds. But you don't get the onion if you get the seeds, right? The, yeah. the bulb goes away. Um, they're also a photoperiodic plant, so they don't start making their bulb until daylight hours get oh, under right. a certain threshold. Right. And certain ones are called like long day onions, and they need they start doing it after 15 hours. And they're short day onions that start making their bulb after 12 hours. So when the light, so basically they, they start growing through the summer, but once the daylight drops below a certain threshold, they start forming the bulb to get ready for winter, and to be ready for the next year to push up the flower yeah. stalk. And I remember we kind of um, touched on this in the first winter episode about mm. the, ver- uh, what was it called? The process, the vernization. Vernalization. Vernalization. Yeah. Thank you. yeah. yeah. Oh, I forgot about that word. Thank you. for. I'm glad that wasn't <laughs> on the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly I also didn't remember. <laughs> okay. We're going to we'll spend too much more time on the onion. There's a lot to go into about the onion. It's, a, I mean, it's been with, with humans for so long and it's so important in like tons of cuisines. And it's, you know, like the chili pepper went around the world from, from the Americas. The onion has gone around the world the other way. And like, you can't think of a, you know, I mean, there are salsas without an onion, but it's a pretty oh, yeah. key piece mm-hmm. for an onion. Um, well, this, you key piece for a salsa. Key piece for yeah. a salsa. I mean, uh, certain salsas. Anyway. Yeah. But, uh, and so it's, yeah, super fascinating. But here's, here's like the last like dazzling detail. Which is related to, I think, I assume this has something to do at some point with the way, because onions make you cry, I guess. There's a weird connection to eyeballs here. The mummy of Ramses IV had his eyeballs replaced with small onions. That's creepy. Yeah. 
And it's interesting because I guess... But, un- I mean, I mean that's creepy from, like, my modern <laughs> yeah. perspective. But, like, why? So onions, there must have been some good reasoning. were, like, treated as, like, sacred in Egypt to oh, some degree. And, okay. like, you know, there is a lot of symbolism about an onion. Sure. Like, they're almost perfectly spherical. They have these layers. There's a circle within a circle. Yeah. You know, we always talk about layers and onions. Like, there is a symbolism there. However, what's interesting is I think apparently Ramses IV was the only... Um, Pharaoh to have his eyes replaced with onions. It was like a one-off. Did he just like onions? I guess. Or I was like, let's do this. Mm, nah, not that. <laughs> like, I guess his dad and his son, they used linen to replace the eyes. Like the like the material Fabric. for Fabric. I don't know exactly okay. how they did it, but but yeah. But, yeah. but he had onions, and I guess there's no other mummy that they found onions in their eyes. Mm-hmm. So... That's pretty interesting. Yeah. It's weird when there's just like a one-off thing like that. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it is connected. There is, there is, I guess, paintings of onions in like tombs in Egypt. Hmm. And onions have, have like, you know, in actually lots of ancient cultures are really important because, yeah, they have this symbolism. Um, they're like full of water. They're, you know, they're very easy to like put a lot of and, interesting you know, symbolism they, on. They on last a long time. Yeah, right. Yeah. So. That that's also pretty key about them. And actually, one of the reasons why they think they were first cultivated is because of their ability to kind of store without doing anything. Oh, sure, right? Yeah, um, which is pretty important. So yeah, I think that's all I have to say about uh, about onions for 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 the moment. That's pretty interesting. But you know, I guess uh, to add an extra <laughs> you know personal meaning, do you remember what movie we watched went for New Year's last year? The year before this year, this New Year's? No, but I... I Glass Onion? Glass Onion, oh yeah, right, oh yeah. And that's while we were waiting for our our little chili pepper to arrive, our little (laughs) onion to arrive. That's true, that's very true. (laughs) When you say onions in movies, I just think about the movie Holes. Oh yeah, where they're like, <laughs> which you know, the, we we watched when we first started dating. That's true. That's so, a really fun know, movie okay. where they're trying that to find onions. Really great. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So that's. I don't think they're trying to find onions. I think they just find onions while they were trying to find treasure. Okay, you're right. Anyway. The treasure was the onions they found along the way. Shia LaBeouf's best work. That's <laughs> all, all I can say. Um, well, yeah, that wraps up the onion portion of the program. Chop. We're here in the last segment, and we're going to do a little catch-up on some uh, chili pepper names, and then I have one other little thing to do here at the end of the show before we wrap up. That is, that is tangentially onion-related. So let's do the tangentially... Well, this is not tangentially. <laughs> no, this is not tangentially. Specific. This is, let's, like, very spot-on. Let's get on. So, yeah, let, this is something I found really fascinating. There was a graphic floating around the internet a while ago, and I didn't realize this was the case. And so, yeah, go ahead. Take over, Carla. Uh, so you asked me to look into or to explain the differences in, in the fresh or, like, you know, non-dried chili peppers and the dried chili peppers. So... Um, there's a jalapeno, is a fresh chili pepper, mm-hmm. um, and then the dried version of it is a chipotle. Ah, see, I didn't know that for so long. I always assumed there were different peppers, but... Yeah, yeah. well, I think a lot of people do just yeah. because they're so different yeah. in flavor profiles, but because the chipotle just is so smoked. Yeah. Uh, it mm-hmm. has such a smoke profile. Um, and then, for example, the poblano is uh, the fresh variety, and then the ancho is the is the mm. version of it when it's dry. Um, and then there's a, a chili called Mirasol when it's fresh. And then when it's dry, it's the Guajillo. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. 
Um, and let's see. There's uh, when it's fresh. This, this chili pepper. Ch- this chili pepper is called bola, and then when it's dry, it's apparently called cascabel, which is the you know like the little rattle. Rattle. Yeah, yeah. it makes sense. So, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, and there's a few other ones, um, that I guess we don't have to go in. Yeah. Any other ones we wouldn't recognize on either the fresh or the dry side? Only if you're, if you're a chili pepper aficionado or Mexican. Yeah, give give us one more. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, let me, oh gosh, where did it go? Um, to do, oh, here. Um, yeah. So if, uh, the fresh is apparently called chilaca. And the dry is the dry version of it is called pasilla. Okay, mm-hmm. very very interesting. That you know that's I can't think of anywhere else that happens, particularly with I guess maybe with plums and prunes where you're like yeah right where where you call the dry or grapes and raisins. Now I'm thinking lots of ones in English, but it, it's not super common where you call something different just because it's been treated different, right? Yeah. Um, like we sun dried tomatoes, or you know, just tomatoes. They don't have their own name in English. Yeah, they're just called sun dried tomatoes. Um, that's pretty mm-hmm. fascinating. Um, so, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. No, On thank my you. side, this is tangentially onion related, but I thought it'd be a fun way to close the show. So, I was thinking about the the satirical newspaper, The Onion. Ah, uh, yes. And first, I thought about, well, why are they called The Onion? <laughs> And on Wikipedia, there's two stories. One is supposedly like the students who started there. I think they were at University of Wisconsin. Don't quote me on that uh, audience. They were university students and they wanted to start a satirical paper. And the story was is that they were so poor that like one day one was eating a, just eating an onion sandwich. Mm-hmm. And someone said, well, we should call the paper The Onion because that's what it is. That's, but yeah. more likely it's just a joke on a paper that's called The Union. That makes sense. Which we've learned that those are related. Yeah, related words. But to end the show, I thought it would be fun to just read some onion headlines about plants. Oh, awesome. Yeah. That sounds um, great. And I don't know which one's my favorite, so these are not in any order. Um, so the first one is um, uh, Idiotic Tree Keeps Trying to Plant Seeds on Sidewalk. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. Um <laughs> How about this one maybe hits a little too close to home. Full summer of tending backyard garden produces single edible cherry tomato. <laughs> yep. Yep, yep. Um, study finds plants communicate using underground network of spies. <laughs> also kind of true. True, yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, uh, Shell announces plans to plant single tree for every irreversible planetary disaster it causes. I feel like that didn't deserve the xylophone. (laughs) (laughs) It's still too cheerful. Okay, I got two more here. Um, This one is a little sad too. Dream vacation turns deadly for area houseplant. Oh no! (laughs) Our our houseplant survived our recent vacation. Um, And then finally, I I don't know why I think this is maybe my favorite. It's just kind of dumb, but uh, but it's funny. Nations houseplants confirm pots are their pants. I love it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that that is uh, some <laughs> onion headlines about plants. And I think a great way to wrap up this episode of Rootbound. Thank you, Carla, for joining me once again. Oh, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> Only one? Oh. My guest on this episode of Rootbound was Carla Arias. Carla is a chemist and attorney. She's also my wife and super cool. 
If you like Rootbound and you want to help support the show, visit rootboundpodcast.com slash support to find all the ways you can help support the show, including supporting the show on Patreon. Rootbound is hosted by junior-level plant podcaster Steve Ellington. Music by Christian Prigascota. Fake ads by David Lonnie. Rootbound is a podcast about plants for when you're stuck inside, but if you can go outside... Gather up some chili peppers, some onions, maybe some tomatoes and cilantro, and make yourself a nice, fresh salsa. Move over, Christmas tree! Here comes the Easter tree, the President's Day tree, and the Arbor Day tree! Guess that one is kinda obvious. Why, why don't we have an Arbor Day tree? Have any of the days that seem like they would make sense to have a tree inside of the house doesn't seem like literal tree day makes the most sense. I mean, what's the significance of the Christmas tree to the Christmas mythos? Whereas the Arbor Day, you know, like an Arbor Day tree would literally, like that's 100%. There's nothing else Arbor Day is about, but but trees. So, you know, if we had like a grass day, then you'd bring grass inside, I'm assuming. But no, we bring it in on Easter. How's that make sense?